Hi, thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. We love to hear about lives being changed. So if you've been positively affected by Velocity Church, send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Thanks and enjoy the message. And I was telling my husband as I was preparing, I was like, you know, when I hear like the middleman, I always think like mediator, you know? And he looked at me, he's like, you know that's what Jesus is, right? Like, he is the go-between us and God. I was like, of course I do. (laughs) Your church is in great hands this week. (laughs) But yes, that is true. Jesus is our go-between to to God, between us and God. And the Bible tells us that in 1 Timothy 2.5, it says, there is only one God, and Christ Jesus is the only one who can bring us to God. And not only is Jesus our mediator, but Jesus was sent so that we could have access and we could walk with God in eternity. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be an offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You see, without Jesus, we could never have access to God the Father. And if I could only give you one word today to tell you what this whole series is about, the word I would use is Jesus. And I can't think of a better way to prepare our hearts for this Easter than to lean into and really examine what it meant for God to send his son to die on the cross for us. And that's where we're going to start today. I know many of us are pretty familiar with the Easter story, but what I want to look at is what took place while Jesus hung on the cross. In Luke chapter 23, Jesus has just been accused and, and beaten and mocked and ridiculed. He's hanging on the cross. He has nails through his hands and his feet, and he has a criminal on the left and a criminal on the right, and that made me think that I should title my message, you know, Jokers on the Left, Clowns on the Right, Stuck in the Middle with You. That killed at West, okay? I'm just saying. (laughs) Killed it. All right. Criminals on the left, criminals on the right. He looks down at his accusers, and the Roman soldiers and the scribes and the Pharisees that were full of hate, and right in the middle of it all, he says these words, that change everything. Luke 23, verses, verse 34, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Now, I don't know about you, but if that were me, if I were hanging on the cross, I don't think I'd say, Father, forgive them. I think I'd probably say some things that I would have to ask the Father to forgive me for. But Jesus, right in the middle of his greatest pain, Right in the middle of his death, he says, Father, forgive them. I believe today that this message is for everyone. Because if not now, there will be a time when we not only need to receive forgiveness, but we need to give forgiveness. And forgiveness, that is not an easy thing to do. But I believe today that some forgiveness is going to be released when we walk out of here this morning, we're going to leave with a, with a lightened heart. I've been praying this week that there would be a supernatural, God-sent release of forgiveness from some deep, deep hurts that we've been carrying around. And I'm not minimizing what you've gone through or trying to minimize the hurt. And I'm not even saying that forgiveness is an easy process. But here's what I'm saying. 
The Spirit of God has the power to move mountains, and no matter what you've been carrying or how long you've been carrying it, I'm believing today that by the power of Jesus, you're going to lay it down and begin a process of forgiveness that will lead you to a place of healing and freedom. And I'm calling this message today, Mercy in the Middle. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for this day, for your word that's alive and and true and has the power to transform us, Lord. I pray that as we lean into you today, Lord, that you would just first remove any distractions that would try to hinder us from hearing from you. Lord, open our hearts and our minds and our ears to receive what it is that you have for us this morning. We thank you for it, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Well, does anyone here enjoy traveling at all, like getting to go places? Yeah, I, I like to travel every once in a while. I think it's because 90% of the time I'm a stay-at-home mom, and so when I travel, I get to wear pants that don't have elastic in them, you know? Get to see new sights and wear real pants. That's all you need in life. But I do, I enjoy traveling, and I've always prided myself as being a prepared traveler, you know? Like, you never know what you're going to run into when you're traveling, but I'm prepared for it. For instance, this week, if you had traveled to Kansas, you would have needed to be prepared for sun and warmth, wind, rain, and snow, right? Like, you don't know what you're going to experience once you get there, so it's best to be prepared for it. Now, my husband, on the other hand, he would not say I'm a prepared traveler. He calls me an overpacker. And um, we've had this issue in our marriage all along. When we used to drive places, um, there was no limit on what I could take. And that's like my favorite way to travel because then I can have like my shoe bag, my clothes bag, my product bag, my snack bag, probably some Coke Zero with me. And you know, I could probably throw in a few other things. I have a minivan with stow and go, and I'm telling you, that is like a gift from Jesus. I mean, you can pack that puppy pretty full. And he, my husband, he has a lot of grace. He never like grumbles too much. I mean, sometimes he will be like, really, do we need to take this? I'm like, baby, we have room for it, so why not just throw it in? <laughs> but when we do travel on airplanes, he has really um, kind of put the, the hammer down because he said, we have to pay for your luggage. You can only take one. But he didn't say what size I could take, so I went out and bought the biggest bag I could possibly find, and three of my four children can fit into it. And it, without fail, every time we go somewhere, he picks up the suitcase, and he's like, this is heavy. And then we get to the place, and he's like, wow, you brought a lot. And then we get home from the stuff, from the trip, and he's like, you didn't even use half this stuff. And I'm like, I love you. <laughs> Remember the fun we had? <laughs> well, <clears throat> I am also not, like, a person of high stress or high anxiety. I like to just kind of... Like, life's just better when you can chill, you know? Like, there's nothing, no reason to get uptight about things. But there are two words that my husband can say to me that really just, like, like put me over the edge, you know? And this happened to me last, late last year. We were getting ready to go on a trip, and it was just a short 30-hour trip. We were flying in somewhere, doing some business, and leaving the next morning. And he came to me, and he said, look, we're only going to be gone a few hours, so he got this bag out of the closet, which I call my overflow bag. 
And he said, you are only allowed to take this. And the two words that he said to me were, carry on. And I was like, oh, do you love me? What is happening to me? And so I was like, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm really not that big of a diva. I just like to be prepared, okay? I know this is not making me sound the best, but I just like to be prepared. And so I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pack it. I'm going to win. And I did it. I mean, so what that I had to go to Target and get 15 things that I forgot once we got there. But I made it into the carry-on bag. I was feeling good about myself. And it's a good thing this happened because we did not leave enough margin in our time of getting to the airport. It was a 5 a.m. flight. Like, nobody's up that early. So we got there, and if we had to wait in the baggage check-in, we would have missed our flight completely. But because we had carry-ons, we just rolled right through the the check-in to security to our gate, got on the plane, had a great trip. Then when we got back home, I just got my bag off the plane and we walked out the front door and into our car. And I said to him, I was like, man, we shaved off like 30 minutes of our travel time by having carry-ons. He's like, yeah, I know, it's amazing. Now I would never admit this to him. And if you tell him I said this, I will deny it like nobody's business. But after traveling with the carry-on and realizing how nice it was, I kind of like traveling with just a carry-on, you know? Like, you just feel so much lighter, so much freer. No one gives you strange looks that you have a bag the size of you that you're hauling around. Your husband doesn't give you grief. I mean, I kind of think traveling with a carry-on, he was on to something when he said traveling with a carry-on is the way to go. But if you admit that to him, that I said that, no, I didn't. I, they're crazy is what I'm going to say. But, you know, I think sometimes in our life we do that. You know, we get this, this big bag of stuff that we just haul around behind us, and we pack all kinds of things in it, and we take it to destinations that it doesn't need to go to, and we just can't seem to let go of it. And usually what we're stuffing is in the area of unforgiveness. Some of us, we have a really photographic memory of when it comes to offenses or hurt feelings or holding grudges. You know, we can tell you the year, the month, the day, the exact time to the second of what the offense was that wronged us. And then we make tally marks for it. You know, they didn't speak to me. Check. They forgot my birthday. Check. My husband criticized my outfit. Check. My coworker stole my idea at work. Check. And on and on and on our list goes. While getting hurt in life is a reality, it's going to happen, staying hurt is a reaction. You see, we'd rather hold on to the pain of the hurt than to release the power of forgiveness. C.S. Lewis wrote, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Forgiveness is the central focus of the cross. As Jesus hung on the cross and he uttered these words, Father, forgive them. He was teaching us how important it is to forgive. He was setting that stage to tell us that forgiveness is where it starts and forgiveness is where it keeps going. When you allow that thing that hurt you to fester and stir in your heart, it's going to lead you to a place of resentment. And resentment will always take you to bitterness. And bitterness will not just shade the person you're upset with. It shades every relationship. Bitterness will affect the way you interact with people at work, and people will see it. It'll affect how you are at home and how you are with your friendships and how you serve at church. And here's the scary thing about bitterness. You think you're hiding it, but you're not. 
When you allow bitterness to take up residence, it just oozes out of you. When you have unforgiveness in your heart, what you're doing is turning control of your life over to the person that hurt you. And you might think, oh, I'm getting at them. I'm showing them by my mean face every time I'm around them that I'm angry at them. But can I tell you something? They aren't even thinking about you, you know? They're not the one that's hurt. They probably don't even know that they hurt you. It happened and they moved on. But holding on to unforgiveness doesn't punish the offender. It punishes the offended by putting you in a prison. Pastor Kevin Gerald, who is our pastor and who spoke just a few weeks ago here, says, unforgiveness is like sipping poison and expecting the other person to die. What we need to understand about forgiveness is that it's not to benefit the other person, but forgiveness benefits us. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your sins. You see, we all have something that we need God to forgive us for. It's probably the same thing that we sin over and over doing and are always asking for forgiveness. But each time we go to God and ask for forgiveness, he forgives us. So with that as our example, we should do the same. You know, one time Peter was, was, I think, trying to be kind of a smarty pants, and he asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, how many, like, should I forgive, and how many times should I forgive? Peter was probably thinking, you know, like, one, two times, and Jesus said, you should forgive, and you shouldn't just forgive seven times, but you should forgive 70 times seven. Now, that's the math I can do. That's 490 times, which translates into constant forgiveness. And I didn't say it would be easy I said it's forgiveness. And I didn't say it was simple. It's forgiveness. I didn't say it would be quick or painless, but it's forgiveness. Jesus hung on the cross for me for every hurt, for every disappointment, for every offense that I have. And Jesus' love is greater than any hurt, disappointment, or offense. Jesus hanging on the cross modeled what forgiveness should be for us. He's been beaten He's been crucified. He's been flogged. He's had a crown of thorns pierced into his head. And while he's hanging on the cross, beaten beyond recognition, this is what he says. He doesn't say it after it's over. Not after the Romans or the Pharisees came to him and said, forgive us. Which, by the way, none of them did. No one asked for forgiveness. And just as a side note, if you're waiting on someone to ask for forgiveness from you, you may be waiting your whole life. This cannot be the prerequisite for forgiveness. I'll forgive them as soon as they come to me and own their stuff. That can't be the prerequisite for forgiveness. Because it may never happen. But in the middle of his beating, in the middle of him being crucified, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Not after it's over. Not after he feels that they have suffered enough, in the very middle of it, he says, forgive them. He gave forgiveness freely, so as Christ's followers, we can give forgiveness freely. And I'm not trying to downplay what has happened in your life. I know that some of you have some serious wounds that happened, and I don't want to minimize or take away from your pain. But I'm just saying one incident should not hold you captive for the rest of your life. And when we do not forgive, that is what happens to us. So the question is, 
How do we forgive? How do we even start moving in the direction of forgiveness? And I think it always starts with this, and it has to be that you are faithful in prayer. The first step of forgiveness is to be faithful in prayer. And not just say any prayer, but pray a prayer for the person that hurts you. And some of you are thinking like, I'll pray for them, all right. I'll pray that they stub their toe and hit their funny bone all the time. That's not how we should pray. The Bible gives us very specific instructions of how we should pray. In Luke 26, and uh, Luke 6, 27 and 28, it says, But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. So we're to do good, bless, pray for those who hurt you. Romans 12, 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. And Matthew 5, 44 says, But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You see, praying for the person that has hurt you is not about the person who has hurt you. God will take care of them. God will deal with them. Prayer is for you more than for them. Prayer doesn't always change the situation, but it changes you. Because when you pray for them, it starts to soften your heart. It releases bitterness that you have in your heart. Prayer for the person who hurt you is like an antibiotic for your disease. It helps to loosen the thing that has your heart stonewalled. It begins to take down the offenses in your life when you pray for the person that has offended you. And it may start out in the most simplest form. You may only be able to muster up something like, God, I, I pray for so-and-so. I ask that you bless them. Not a lot. <laughs> bless them anyway. Amen. You know, it has to start somewhere. And maybe it starts simply as God bless them, but then maybe it can move on to, you know, God, I pray for whatever it is in them that is broken, that has caused them to hurt me. God, would you just heal that in them? Because broken people want to break other people. The reason that they hurt you in the first place is because something is messed up in them. But healed people can help people. And instead of perpetuating their pain, why not forgive and break the cycle? Don't allow their pain to cause you to pain others. Being faithful in prayer for those that hurt you will begin to heal your heart and soften you. And you may even get to the point where you can pray that they would know Jesus and his love for them and that they could spend eternity with God. Here's another thing about prayer. When you are faithful in it, it will always take you to a place of mercy. And that's the second thing on the journey of forgiveness. We start with prayer, but in the middle we learn to walk in mercy. Luke 6.36 says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. And aren't you so glad that we have a God that's full of mercy, that's mercies are new every morning. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is sharing a parable about a king that found out that one of his servants owed him a lot of money, probably millions of dollars in today's economy. And this servant, he did not have millions laying around to pay back his debt so in those days, if you couldn't pay off your debt, the choice was that you could be sold into slavery until it could be repaid. Well, the servant went before the king, and he pleaded and begged for him to spare him and his family. And the king had mercy on his servant and forgave his servant of his debt. Now, the first thing I see in this parable is that sometimes the debtor can't always repay the debt. 
Sometimes things in our life are going to happen that there isn't a fix for. There isn't a solution for. Sometimes things will happen to us and there is absolutely no way to make it right. The debt that, has, that they have caused cannot be repaid. But what I see in the story is that the offender or the hurt party, they can choose to walk in mercy. The king was filled with mercy and compassion and released the servant and forgave him of his debt. And just as the king of the story forgave the debt, that is what God does for us. God forgives the lying and the cheating and the nasty attitudes that we carry around. He forgives our idolatry and our addictions and our toxic behaviors. He forgives them all. I can only imagine that when the servant left the palace, he must have had to have been feeling pretty great. Like a weight had lift, been lifted from his shoulders. Like, whew, I can breathe again. I've got a fresh start in life. And on the way home, he runs into another servant that owes him just a few thousand dollars. And you'd think because of the great mercy he had just been shown that he would do the same. But he doesn't. Instead, he has the servant that owes him thrown into per- prison. Now, word of this gets back to the king. And you can imagine he is coming in pretty hot. And he says, you evil servant, I forgave you a tremendous debt. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I've had on you? The king was so angry that he turned the servant over to the palace guards to torture him before he could pay back every penny. Jesus ends this parable by saying, if you refuse to forgive, this is what my heavenly father will do. That's pretty intense. If we do not give forgiveness, if we do not walk in mercy, then we cannot receive it. And not only does walking in mercy allow us to receive it, but I think it can, oh, and I think it can open up the door for an opportunity to address the hurt. Matthew 18, 15 says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Notice the Bible doesn't say sister because we all know she don't have no faults, right? Just trying to lighten the mood. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone, if he listens to you, then you have gained your brother. For some of us, it is not possible to go to the person that has hurt us. Perhaps they have died or they are in a place that they cannot access our life anymore. But if it is someone in your life that you have a relationship with, then you can go to them. And can I just give you some free pastoral instruction today? If someone has hurt you, don't go to your social media to air your grievances, okay? First of all, no one wants to read it. Like, and all you're doing is looking for people to join your pity party. Don't go to your mom. Don't go to your best friend. Well, I got to have someone to vent to. No. What you're doing is throwing a tantrum. You need to be mature in Christ. You don't need someone to validate your bitterness. You need to have maturity in Christ. You need to be able to go to that person and say, you know what, I don't know if you know this, but this is what happened, and this is how it made me feel. And I care about our relationship, and I don't want anything to get in between us. My husband and I do this all the time to one another. We'll say, you know what, when this happened, this is how it made me feel, and I just don't want anything in between us. And it really works. And I believe that some of you today are going to have, you're going to be saved from some fights on the way home from church 
if you just go to your spouse and say, you know what, I don't know if you know this, but when you said this or when you did this or when you didn't stand up for me, this is how it made me feel and I love you so much, I don't want anything to come between our relationship. The Bible says, if at all possible, live at peace with everyone. It's not always possible, but if it is within your sphere of ability, then live at peace with those around you. And you can do that by being faithful in prayer. You can walk in mercy. And finally, you can forgive as you have been forgiven. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. See, we are to bear with each other because we've all got our issues. Sometimes we think we've forgiven someone, but we really haven't. And here's the clue to know if you have or you haven't. If you can't stop thinking about what happened or your emotions get enraged every time you think about them, then you still have some work to do. Forgiveness absolutely is hard. The pain that you endured is real. But forgiveness is what holds the keys to your freedom. And at some point, you have to decide, I'm gonna forgive just as God forgave me. As Jesus was hanging on the cross before he died, he looked down at this horrible scene. You see, he had lived a perfect life and he died a horrible death that he never justly should have had to die. He was beaten. His beard was plucked out. They mocked him and they beat his back to a point where his skin and his flesh were torn off. They put a crown of thorns on his head and in the middle of all of that, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. And in that very moment, forgiveness saved the world. Jesus uttered those words and his spirit was released and he took his final breath and his spirit was committed into his father's hands. Before Jesus could leave the earth, he had to forgive those who tortured him. This is important because God's hands will not touch spirits that do not release forgiveness. When Jesus released forgiveness and died on the cross, the Bible says that heaven and earth collided. The veil of the temple was torn into two Spiritual rulers and authorities were disarmed and Jesus had victory over them on the cross. And here's the most important and powerful thing about forgiveness. When you forgive others, you release victory over Satan and we release God's power in our life to bring healing. So how are we gonna forgive? Well, we start with being faithful in prayer. We're gonna walk in mercy and we're gonna forgive as God forgave us. As we close this.